Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here today. If you're tuning in with us, uh, happy Mother's Day, and we hope this is going to be a special day for every mom. And uh, if you didn't realize it was Mother's Day, um, you got issues, you got a problem here, and you need to solve it pretty quick here. Um, anyway, I want to take a moment and just pray for the moms uh, that are here and that are watching. Uh, let's pray for right now. Father, thank you for moms. There's a reason why in stadiums they hold up signs and it says, hey, mom, love you, mom. Dads aren't mentioned, and there's a reason for that. Because, Father, you have given us mothers, and mothers are so special. They do so much in our lives. So often we take them for granted. Um, they are not perfect, but so many of them have worked so hard and sacrificed so much for us. So we're thankful for that. So we ask today, Father, that it would be a special day for all the moms that are gathered, for all the moms that are watching, that you would just help them to have a special day today and that they'd get maybe a call or a note or some encouragement from their children. Uh, I would ask too, Father, for those who want to be moms, have wanted to be moms and haven't been able to, that you would help them today because it's a difficult day for them that you would encourage them. And I'd also want to pray for those who've lost moms recently, Father. And, and their moms have been a, 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 a significant part of their lives. And there's kind of a, a void there now. We just pray that you would help them and fill that void for them. But Father, today is a day that we celebrate the moms who work so hard, who don't always get the credit they deserve. Uh, but we thank you for the, their, um, their uh, willingness to step in there and do the job, the dirty jobs. And uh, for that, we're grateful for them. And we pray this would be a special day for them. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Mark said, we have been talking about work. And we were kind of laying down a, a theology of work. What is work? And here's a couple things that we've been saying over the last few weeks. One of them is that work, that, that in our culture, we separate the secular and the sacred. We separate Monday and Sunday. We separate um, the uh, worship and work, right? That they're two different things. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, as followers of Jesus, we're two different people. Like we're a different person on Monday than we are right now, Okay. And that shouldn't be, because in God's eyes, in, there is no separation between the secular and sacred. There is no difference between work and worship. There, it, there, there isn't, okay? And um, so we've kind of talked about a few things, but the question we're asking today is, should your work be your mission field? Um, should your work be your mission field? And the answer is, yes, okay, we're done, let's go home. <laughs> That's it. Um, but I want to read you a quote, this is from uh, Abraham Kuyper, and he says this, he says, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human experience over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. And essentially what Kuiper is echoing is the word of Scripture. The Scripture says what? The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. He owns everything. He owns 
the trees and the valleys and the meadows and the lakes and the oceans and the stars and you and me we all belong to him the earth is the Lord's and all that is in them another passage says do all to the glory of God so so this kind of lays down a theology of work and there's a few things we said about work is that the main purpose of work in our culture basically says that the main purpose of work is to earn money now, money may be a byproduct of work, but it shouldn't be the main purpose of work for the Christian. We, we uh, Christians should approach work in a different way. It's not just to make money. In fact, we as Christians should see our work or our employment or our vocation, whatever that may be. Moms, I'm including you in there because, frankly, I don't know of another profession that is overlooked by our culture than the stay-at-home moms, the moms that are at home, that are taking care of the kids, that are making the meals, that are cleaning the clothes, that are just managing the household. It's an incredibly difficult task. It's, there's so many things and so many moving parts. And it's almost as though our culture says, if you're a stay-at-home mom, well, you just aren't very good at anything, are you? In reality, they're probably good at everything because they have to do a whole bunch of things well. So when we think of a vocation, though, when we think of a vocation, that whatever it is, we can do it to the glory of God. Now, what we tend to think is we tend to think what's most important is what I am doing and, and where I work and who I work for. But in Scripture, it's, it, none of that is really that important. What is most important is who am I wherever I work, whatever I do. What kind of person am I? That's the essence of what your, your job should be, your employment should be. So um, work, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that work is a way for us to worship God. That we're worshiping God right now as we sing, as we go through his word, as we give, as we you know, do all those different things. That's all worship, but so is your vocation. Your vocation is a way to worship God, to love God and to love others. And all professions are significant. All professions are significant. Um, many years ago, there was a book and then a movie, um, Chariots of Fire, and it was a story of Eric Liddell, who was a runner, a Christian, and he was raised in a Christian family, and one day his father said to him, you can praise the Lord peeling a spud if you peel it to perfection. And his point is well taken because he wasn't talking about peeling potatoes. He was talking about everything you do can be done to the glory of God, changing a dirty diaper to the glory of God, right? Making a business call to the glory of God. There's a whole, finishing a report, a spreadsheet, to the glory of God. It's not what you do, it's who you are. What kind of person are you? That's much more important in God's eyes than what you do. So, the question is, have you considered your workplace, it might be the only place where people who are not Christians meet Christians? Have you ever thought about that, that you might be the only influence of Christianity and Christ and Jesus in your workplace? 
So the question is, and this is what we want to kind of peel back a little bit, why don't Christians, why are they so silent at work? Why are Christians silent at work? And I think there's two reasons why Christians are generally silent. Number one, because the workplace can be very, very um, hostile to Christianity, right? Now, if we were to trade stories, most of us could trade stories of places that we've worked since we were young and, you know, now today. And we would go, I have had some horrible jobs. I have worked in some very spiritually dark places. That's not my current job, by the way. Okay. But, you know, you, 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 you know what I'm talking about. I used to work, one of my jobs, I used to work in a machine shop. I would go to machine shops. Those were some of the darkest, most morally corrupt places that I've ever worked in my life. So it's hostile. The environment is hostile. You might be in a white-collar office, and, and, the, the, uh, and the environment is hostile towards that. Or maybe you feel you've bought into the cultural lie that basically says, you don't have a right, and this is even stronger today, you don't have a right to share your faith with anyone. It's a private thing. It's a private thing. Don't, don't delve into somebody's faith. Don't ask them how much they make and don't ask them what they believe. Those are two of our culture's strong things that you don't get into. But here's the thing. I don't know where you work, but wherever you work, there is, there is this idea that there's this worldview that everybody brings with them. And what do I mean by a worldview? Everybody has a worldview. You have a, a worldview that affects your ethics, what is right and wrong. You have a worldview of what is, what is working hard, what is not working hard. You have a worldview of what is telling the truth and what is not telling the truth. So you have all these worldviews. So you're in the middle of a, a company or a corporation or whatever, a business, where you're working with people and they all come with a different worldview. And some of it causes a lot of conflict at work, doesn't it? Because some people aren't working hard, hardly at all they're working, right? Or some people don't really tell the truth, or some people gossip, or some people do this, and it drives you crazy. But we feel, though, that I, don't, I shouldn't speak up, I shouldn't say anything. I should be silent about it. But here's the thing, everybody walks in with a worldview. Everybody, everybody is influencing you're either being influenced or you're an influencer, okay? And so what I'm suggesting, and this is the overall theme of what I'm saying, instead of seeing your workplace as being a place where you're the local resident evangelist for Jesus, instead of seeing that and carrying a big Bible and throwing it down on the desk and proclaiming, the, you know, uh, God's you know, mercy over this, you know, whatever you, know, you want to do, Instead of doing that, can I suggest that maybe you see yourself as an influencer of the gospel? Now, what does that mean? And that's what we want to talk about. Um, Paul writes this. is a very interesting passage in Romans chapter 12. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, he doesn't say this in, you know, in the worship service. He's talking about generally in life. 
So when you go into work, you, you say, God, I'm offering my body to you. I'm offering my mind. I'm offering my hands. I'm offering my wisdom. Uh, all of that to you as an act of worship to you. But then he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but tr be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will. So instead of Paul saying, instead of being influenced by the world, be a world influencer, be a workplace influencer. Change the workplace by the way you behave. That's what he's saying. So I want to spend the rest of the time, we don't have much time, I want to talk about how can you be a good influencer wherever God has placed you. Maybe in a family as a mom, stay-at-home mom. It may be in a corporation. It may be, you know, there, there's multiple places where you could be, but how can you be a good influencer for the gospel at work in your, wherever you are? Uh, three things. Number one, do a good job. You say, duh. <laughs> yeah, but I have to say it. That's the point. As a believer, we're called to serve God and serve others as a means of worshiping God. Now, here's the problem. Some Christians don't feel compelled to do a good job because they work for a boss they don't like. They work for a company they don't respect. They work with people they don't particularly care for. And so they feel like they can justify not working hard, not doing a good job, not doing that. And they feel like that's justifiable. Well, that's the problem. You don't, you have this horizontal view. But if you walk into work and say, I'm going to peel a spud for God today, but I'm going to do it for the, his glory, that changes everything. Because it doesn't matter who I work with or who I work for, because I understand who I really work for and I really understand what I'm doing. So whatever I do, I can do it to the glory of God. It changes my whole perspective. See, your job is, is not just a way to make money. That's what our culture says. And the better job, the, the, a job is better when you get paid more money. And you have to get away from that trap. The idea is not you get a job that pays you a lot of money. You get a job where, where you are using your gifts and your ability, but you're, most of all that you're worshiping God and serving others. And money is a byproduct of that. Don't make money the end goal of work because if you, do, if you do that, you pervert work. Look at what Paul says in Philippians. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Basically what Paul's saying is that we live and work in a dark world. It just is. It is dark. But then he says this. He says, if you go around and you're not arguing, you're not grumbling, you're doing a decent job, you're working hard, you're behaving as a child of God, you're, 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 you're blameless and pure, he says, then you will shine among them like stars in the skies as you hold firmly to the word of life. In other words, he's saying there should be a contrast between Christians who work and people who don't know Jesus. Because our motives are very, very different. We work for the king of kings, not for a corporation or for a boss. Now, here's the problem. And some of you are to blame. 
Have you ever been in a workplace where you have been a Christian and you've been trying to get, you know, have, be a witness, you're trying to you know, do a good job and all that, and all of a sudden you have somebody who comes in and they say, I'm a Christian, just want everybody to know it. I mean, they, they don't say it like, well, maybe they, maybe they do, I don't know. But they've, you know, pretty well broadcast it and they're, they're, they're not good. They behave badly. They're lazy, dishonest, arrogant, demanding, hypocritical, proud. And you cringe. You cringe. And you just want to say to them, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Paul writes to, Tim, to Titus, and he says something to young Titus. Let me read it to you, and then we'll... He says, similarly, encourage young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching. Show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing to say about us. Essentially what Paul's saying is do such a good job that when they try to find things that they claim you're doing, they can't. There's nothing there. You have an integrity that they have to make stuff up because what they say isn't true. Do such a good job that you're above reproach. So let me ask you, if you're a Christian, what kind of influence are you where God has placed you? Here's the second thing. Work hard. Understand your role. Understand your role. You know, there's two basic errors that I think we make. Number one, we think that our job is, to use sales term, to close the deal with Jesus. We think that we, could walk, we should walk up to strangers and we should start wherever they are and immediately lead them across the line of faith. That we should, we should make, you know, make them a Christian and you know, do it in a very short period of time. So we go from point A to point B. To B. And we think that's our job. Our job is to take them from, from either questions about Jesus all the way to trusting Jesus and following him in, in serious Bible reading within, oh, two days. The other mistake we make is that we fail to believe or understand or see or perceive that God is working behind the scenes in people's lives. When was the last time you went into work and you said, I know I have a responsibility and I have a role to be light and to be salt and to, be, to shine you know, in, in a dark world, but I also know that God is working in the people's hearts in, around me, my boss, my coworkers, the people I like and the people I don't like, he's working in their hearts and believe it. So you think you're there all alone. You're not. God is working in people's hearts. Look at what Paul says. It's very interesting in 1 Corinthians in verse uh, 3, or chapter 3, verse 5. So <clears throat> essentially, the context here in 1 Corinthians is they have a lot of conflict in this church. And they had favorites. You know, one said, I'm a Pastor Mark. And so one said, I'm a Pastor Marty. And one said, I'm a Pastor Ross. And I'm Pastor Matt. And there was this debate going, no, it wasn't that. I mean, we're talking, you know, Corinthians. No, it was Apollos and Paul, right? 
And they were saying, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And this is what Paul writes in the midst of all of that debate. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. What I want you to see here is this, that when you go in, wherever you work, as an act of worship, you worship God and you serve others. Do you understand that you can influence people, that God wants to use you to influence people, but that God is working ahead of you in the hearts of the people you work with? Have you ever thought about that? That you're not alone, that God is working with you, through you? Basically, what he says here is some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. Your job as a believer is to make your workplace a better place by loving people and serving God. That's what your job is. Ultimately, that's your, your ultimate job. Wherever you work, whatever do you do. And mature Christians use their, their call, their gifts and abilities uh, not to make money, but to serve others. Making money is part of work. It's a byproduct, but it shouldn't be the end product, right? It's part of uh, your job, but it shouldn't be the ultimate reason why you work. Your ultimate goal is to worship God and to love others through your work. Now, you say, but pastor, you don't know who I work with. There's some people there that are real jerks. What are they saying about you? <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, it, it, Jesus covers all the bases, and, and I don't like that oftentimes. Because he doesn't say, just love the people that are lovely and nice and kind to you. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who do bad to you. Ooh. You mean, that, you mean that's supposed to happen at work? It's yeah, yeah, that's the point. So how do you help people at work as an influencer, how do you help them take the next step for Jesus? Because that's your job. Your job isn't to convert people. Your job is to help them take whatever that next step is. And your job is to understand God is working in their heart, and he has you there, for, he has you there uh, particularly for a certain reason, to work with certain people at certain times. And his job, you're to be his hands and feet, but your job isn't to close the deal necessarily. Maybe now and then it'll be, but most of the time, your job is to plant a seed. Your job is to water the seed. Your job is to cultivate. Your job is to help the person take one step closer to Jesus, whatever that looks like. Now, what does that look like? Let me give you some examples. For some of you, for some people, that you, you may be the first Christian they've ever met that they can't just dismiss as a nut job or as a crazy person or as an oddball. And they would say, you know what? They're pretty nice. They're good hard workers. They're honest. They're decent. They're kind. They're gentle. I like them. I could be friends with them. And they, they, they can't just dismiss this idea of a Christian because they've met a real one 
and they know there's something real there, maybe that's one of the steps that you'll help somebody take. You'll be the first person they can't dismiss. Secondly, you may be the person that they come to when something bad happens in their life. There's something about you that the office knows that you're the person that when life gets hard, they should come and talk to you. You don't have a sign out. You don't, you don't, you, you're not making big, bold statements. But there's something about you that people have heard. You're a model for how to handle tragedy and loss, slander and gossip and the very, through the various valleys of life. And, and they know word of mouth has spread that you're kind and a good, you have a good listening ear and people have been helped by you and you've walked with them through difficult times. And so now they have gone, they're going through a difficult time and they need answers and you're the one they're going to come to. But you're a giver of grace and mercy. You show gentleness and kindness and caring and love in this dark and selfish world. You're just different. You go against the current. You don't get involved in the gossip. You work hard. You love the people around you, even the unlovely ones. And people say, why do you even give that person the time of day? You don't say, because Jesus told me to. You don't do that. You just do it. Because you want to be a light. You want to shine in a dark world. And you go against the current. And people see that and they go, why in the world are you doing that? And then it says in, 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 it says in Scripture, in the New Testament, it says, Jude, it says, be ready to give an answer to those who ask about the hope that's in you. Because you have a, a hope that can't be sunk. It doesn't mean you go, don't go through difficult times. They see you going through difficult times, but you're different. You're like a cork on a raging ocean. But you never, you may go down, but you always pop back up. It's not that you, you, you dismiss what's happening and you downplay it. Oh, it's nothing, you know. No, it's nothing. It is something. But you, you acknowledge that, but you walk through it. And people see you walking through it with faith and hope. And they don't get that. So when, when their life, the bottom of their life falls out, you're the first. They make a beeline to you. You're the kind of person that you, may, you even may be task-oriented, but you, you see somebody, you walk by somebody, and you know there's something wrong. You say, hey, you okay? You want to talk? And, and that's the kind of person you are. You're a light. You don't have to be an extrovert for that. You just have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's it. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A, a, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. You'll be shining like a light. And what does it say? They will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Because that's who you're working for. 
So when they come and they say, why are you different? Why do you have hope? Why do you work hard? Why do you, when you're disrespected, why do you still give 100%? I don't understand it. You don't get paid enough for that. And you may go, no, I don't. But that's not why I'm here anyways. What? What are you talking about? Now, some of you here may have to do damage report. Because you, you're, you're lazy. You're, you're difficult. You're a liar. You're a cheat. And you know, one of the most powerful things Christians can do in the workplace is when you blow it, acknowledge it, take ownership, apologize for it, make it right. When you've, you, you get caught in a lie, when you, you know, do something, just take responsibility for it. I mean, that will floor most people. Because what, what do we do in the workplace when we get caught and we've done something wrong? We blame shift. It wasn't my fault. It was, you know, it's like the garden, right? It wasn't my fault. You're right. It's my fault. I take complete ownership of this. People go, what's wrong with you? Here's the third thing. Allow God to work. Allow God to work. So we saw that passage that some plant, some water, some, you know, cultivate... But it's God who gives the increase. And like I said, it's God is always working behind the scenes. God is always, um, he's always doing something. There are no meaningless moments with God. I know I'm sitting there sometimes and I'm thinking, I'm in the doctor's office or I'm, this seems like a meaningless moment. And all of the Holy Spirit says, duh, would you wake up? I got an appointment right over here. We're just his servants doing his will. He's the only one that can change your heart. So I love this. I came across this phrase a number of years ago. Uh, was by uh, written, uh, was coined by the, the the best research I had was it was coined by John Wimber, and he was a pastor out in Colorado for a number of years and started a number of churches. And he said this, and I love this. I love this this quote because it's humiliating. And he says this: "I'm just loose change in God's pocket." He can spend me as he pleases. I'm just loose change in his pocket. He can spend me as he chooses. Can you imagine going into work every day and just saying, God, I'm just loose change in your... I mean, anybody have loose change in your pocket right now? We don't carry change very much now, but you get the point. It's so demeaning. It's like, am I a quarter or a nickel or a penny? And we just say, God, I may be a penny in your pocket, but if you can spend it some way strategically for your kingdom today, use it. That's so humiliating, and it's so right. If you went into work every day with that in mind, would it change your attitude? It sure would. So I want to talk about divine appointments, and we'll close with this. I talk a lot about divine appointments. That I think that God has, we all, you know, you, many of you have a week coming up and you, have, you know when you have difficult days or easy days, you have appointments, right? It's going to be an easy appointment, a difficult appointment. I don't, you know, you have those, right? You have, a, you know, on your phone, you pull your phone out and you look at it and all of a sudden it'll pop up and it'll say, hey, you have, an, you have these appointments or whatever, okay? What do I mean about a d- divine appointment? And a a divine appointment is when God puts someone before you because you have something 
specifically and unmistakably for them from God. In other words, God wants to use you in a particular way in someone's life that God has brought across your bow today. But I'm thinking that some of us have missed those moments because we've been so involved in other things that we haven't allowed ourselves to be alert and aware of those. So let me give you one from Scripture. So in John chapter 5, there's a story of a woman and, and Jesus and his disciples are traveling from the south in Judea to the north in Galilee. They have to go through Samaria. Now, most of the Jews in that day would go around. So if they went from either the north to the, uh, the, north to the south, from Galilee to Judea, or from Judea to Galilee, they would, they would, you know, the straight way to go through Samaria. But they wouldn't go through Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. So they would go around it. So John, in his gospel, says, uh, Jesus left Judea, that's in the south, they're going to go to Galilee, and it says now he had to go through Samaria. You go, Why? Well, they go through Samaria. They stop at a well near Sychar, the city of Sychar. And Jesus sits down. His disciples go in for food. And there's a woman there. And Jesus asks her for a drink. And he begins a dialogue with her. And he says to her, I, if you ask me, I would give you living water. And she said, man, give me the living water. I won't have to come here and draw water out anymore. That'd be great. And Jesus, you know, wasn't talking about real, like, water. He was talking about spiritual water. What he was saying to the woman was very important for us to hear that every one of us has a God-shaped void and only God can fill it. And what this woman was doing was trying to fill her life in, with relationships with men because men can give you some of the things that God can give you, security, significance, and satisfaction, right? But then there's no perfect man. So you go, well, it's kind of full, but it's not really full and there's a lot of baggage and all that. And Jesus basically says to her, I will give you living water that will not only fill your life, but it will come pouring out of you. You will be filled to full. So she's amazed. She runs into town, and she brings the town out with her. Jesus spends two more days there. They say, that the people from the town say, we came out because you told us to come out. You were crazy, you're a crazy woman, and we decided to follow you. Now we've seen it with our own eyes, and it says in John's Gospel, and many believed, many believed. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Because he had an appointment with a, with a, with a woman who was, was basically marginalized by society, and a town that no one cared about. And Jesus says, there's a woman I need to have a conversation with. She needs living water. And there's a whole town that is spiritually dry. What looked like a trip north turned into a divine appointment. So God still uses these divine appointments. Our job is just to have open hearts and open plans. So let me just say, is it possible that you have missed over the last few weeks, the last few months, these divine appointments? Here's three things that you should do. Number one, leave room for God in your schedule. Secondly, learn to discern the tyranny of the urgent from the divine appointments. There's urgent things and they're, you know, they, they're urgent, 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 but they're not the most important. 
I, I think one of the things that, that stay-at-home moms are, are so good at, they understand that there's urgent, 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 but there's the most important things, and have to sift through that. The tyranny of the urgent versus the most important. And I just want you to know that when you work, there's urgent, 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 and then there's those divine moments where God comes along. And then I want you to just say, God, allow your Holy Spirit to wake me up. Allow your Holy Spirit to wake me up today when you have one of those moments. Pray at the beginning of the day. Pray before you go and work. Lord, help me to be aware when your Spirit shows me those moments where I need to speak up, I need to step up, I need to do something. Help me to be aware of that. And guess what? He will. Should you walk into your work with a big Bible and start proclaiming Jesus? Probably not. I don't think God has called you to probably to be the resident evangelist. But he has called you to be an influencer, to be salt and light. And God has given you a message. And your job isn't to finish the deal necessarily. Maybe it's to plant a seed. Maybe it's to water a seed. Maybe it's to cultivate the soil so that it can take a seed. Don't know. But your job is to help people take one step closer to Jesus. Your job is to worship God at work and serve the people around you and when you do that, you will shine like lights in a dark world. No matter where you are or what you do. Don't get so caught up in what you're doing or where you work or who you work for or how much money you make. Rather, be more focused on what does God want you to do in where you are right now. What kind of person are you and how are you influencing the people around you for God and for his kingdom? But you've got to have a witness first. If you're not doing a good job, maybe that's where you begin. Understand who you're working for. You're not working for a company. You're not working for the boss. You're not working for the people around you. You're working for him. You do a good job for him because you're working for him. And that changes everything. Let me pray with you. And let's ask God to work in our hearts where we need work. Father, help us because each one of us needs to grow in this area. We need to be better in doing a better job because we're not working for others, we're working for you. Help us to love you and to worship you through our work and through our, uh, our, um, where you placed us. Help us to serve the people around us, even the ones that are prickly and difficult. Father, help us to uh, do a good job, to shine as a light in the darkness. And uh, when people come and ask us about the hope within us, uh, let's point them to Jesus, Father. Help, let's help, help us to help them take one step closer to Jesus. And Father, uh, use us to be salt and light in, in this world because it so desperately needs that message of hope and help. Um, so do a work in our hearts, whatever you need to do, Father. We open our hearts up. We are spare change. Use us, spend us as you wish. We pray this in Jesus' name.